Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. And I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. So Mike Farron hosts a show over on MLB Network Radio. I think he's one of the best in the business. And the other day, Alex, as T-Bone, was driving into work. He said, hey, guys, I just heard Mike Farron talking about the Cardinals and how they're crying poor about their payroll situation. So I said, T-Bone, reach out to Mike Farron. I would Hell love yes. to talk to him about that. And Mike joins us now via the 101 ESPN hotline. Mike, we appreciate the time as always, man. How you doing today? I'm good. So I got to share this with you. This is the completely off topic, but it's so weird. I'm out for a walk right now. It's a beautiful day in Phoenix. A little cold, but I'm not going to complain because you guys are dealing with work. Straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. degrees and sunny. Boo-hoo, Mike. I don't know how old you guys are, but like, if you're in your mid-40s or older, you undoubtedly remember those permanent markers that we used to have in class that had like kind of a turpentine paint oh, yeah. thinner smell. Yep. My entire neighborhood smells like that right now. <laughs> oh man, that's a great smell. <laughs> it's Mike's weird. Be high it's on like really weird. For this interview. Yeah. Mike, Mike, yeah, you should open up your great. windows at your house and start letting that guy get a little arrogant in your house. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. It's like I wonder if they would made a cologne of that smell, yes. I think I would wear it. That's a good question. What would it, do you remember the uh, the scented permanent markers that I don't know that they make those anymore? Oh, like yeah. Probably not because kids in class would have permanent marker noses because they were sniffing them all the time. Yeah, they, they oh were, yeah, yeah. That, that ditto machines. Do you remember ditto machines <laughs> oh, where the, like yeah. everything would come off purple and the smell from that? Yeah, it's amazing that we made it out of grade school alive. Yeah. When, when we called Mike Fair, and this is not the way that no. I expected the conversation to go, no, but, but I, I appreciate I, it nonetheless. I had to share it with you because, like, I figured somebody would appreciate this. It's just like this literally just happened. It's so weird. Mike, the, the line from Tommy Boy never hits home better than right now. Did you eat paint chips when you were a kid? No, why? Yes. <laughs> All right. No, I did. Tommy Boy had an excuse. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about these Cardinals. Uh, they have been yeah. imminently frustrating here in St. Louis. I'm not going to lie to you because, like, I I like the signing of Sonny Gray. I liked signing one of Lance Lynn or Kyle Gibson. I like what they're doing in the bullpen. I think they've got a pretty good lineup constructed. But you told us this. I want to say it was two years ago, around this time, where you said, "Hey." The Cardinals always get right up to that line, and then they take two steps back and say, you know what, actually, we're good. We're not going to jump over. We don't want to make that one last move that would put us over the top. It feels like they're doing that again this offseason. Is that how you feel, or are we on an island over here? No, I, th- I think it's it's similar. I mean, I think there are a couple things at play here, right? So this is not the best free agent market that we've seen. Although it is fairly deep in starting pitching. And the Cardinals do deserve credit for signing three starting pitchers. I mean, they said they needed three. They got three. If they really are still engaged to some degree in the trade talks for Dylan Cease, that would certainly change the complexion of the way this winter looks for the Cardinals, right? Like if Dylan Cease showed up, it'd be like, okay, now we've got that bat misser. We can control for a couple of years. Maybe we're able to extend him or sign him as a free agent. Um, when it gets to free agency, like that would change the equation some. But it does feel a little bit like that. I get where they're coming from in that they're trying to, at least with the signings of Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn, 
who, as an aside, are two of my favorite people in baseball. I love those guys. They have tried to find a better baseline to make sure that they have innings and that they're not going to be in a deficit. And with Sonny Gray, he does upgrade the front part of the rotation. And they did that work really quickly this winter. They got it done. They got it finished. But there isn't that move that's happened that makes you feel like, yeah, this is not just a team that can win the Central, but it's one of the best teams in the league. And I get that some of that has to come from internal improvements from some of their young players, like Jordan Walker being an impact hitter, um, you know, for the course of a full season could help that. Arenado, Goldschmidt having better years than they did last year, which I think is possible. I and mean, uh, Derek Gould had a great piece on Goldschmidt the other day. Like those are things that can certainly happen. But just in terms of the external additions right now, it feels like they're a little light. And, and we're talking about them being one of the teams that can win the Central hmm. instead of one of the teams that's a force who would be among the favorites for the World Series. So, so we were holding out hope for as long as possible, Mike, that the Cardinals were still in those Dylan Cease conversations or potentially looking at upgrading still that rotation. And then we saw Bill DeWitt III's comments, and I know you saw them as well. What were yeah. your thoughts when you read those? Well, I mean, I don't think that, that would take you out of the Cease negotiations, just to, to be clear. Like, I don't think that that necessarily would. There, there's been no movement on that, right? So if you're still engaged... And certainly the Cardinals would seem to have the position player depth that the White Sox desperately need, that there could be a fit there. But when I saw DeWitt's comments, you know, like, I, listen, some of it is the, the regional sports network issue is a, is a significant factor. And I think if you're looking at it from ownership's standpoint, it's not just the revenue that you're going to be losing from these lucrative television deals. It's the uncertainty, right? You're trying to plan for a rainy day. So I get where he's coming from there. But at the same time, we're not talking about a team that, that operates or should operate like they're in the 20-something market, right? The Cardinals, are, the Cardinals draw a lot of benefits that other teams with, with lesser revenues get because of their market size, right? They almost always get an extra draft pick. They're, they're counted in that group. They're a big, a fairly big revenue team because the Cardinals fan base is so huge. And so, and, but, and what I mean is that they're probably more middle of the pack in revenue. They're not like one of the top five teams right. in that, but they, they, come, they punch above their weight in terms of the money they make because there's, it's one of the biggest fan bases. It's one of the most loyal fan bases. And it's one of the fan bases that's willing to spend the most money. And when you're investing in real estate and you're investing in um, other avenues or you're concerned about where every last dollar is coming in, that shouldn't sit well with a fan base. And I think even if you were to ask, I think the DeWitts tend to be pretty honest about that. I'm sure that, that if you ask Bill DeWitt III, he'd say, no, I don't think my comments probably should sit well with Cardinals fans, but it's the reality of the situation in his mind. And I think that's the part that's really frustrating is that I feel like that this is a, a team and an organization that shouldn't be, especially with the Cubs not ever really expressing their financial might or what they should have in that market as by far the biggest team in that division, that the Cardinals have not fully captured the opportunities that are there for them because they have not been willing to spend beyond their means or maybe even up to their means. 
And that's what I think a lot of Cardinals fans would, would bring up, especially going into this offseason. And Mike, I'm curious your thoughts on this because, I mean, none of us know what's going to happen with these TV rights deals. And it's it's the big question that looms over on the edge and people are going to go over that. We, we don't know. We, we don't know what it's going to be. Right. I, I would think that the Cardinals, if it goes in a certain way, would be one of the teams that would stand to actually potentially benefit the most from going towards more of a streaming option where now they can bring in the fans beyond just this market and they can get Cardinals fans. They call it Cardinal Nation for a reason, right? Like Iowa pulls in fans that are fans of this team, but they can't get Bally Sports Midwest on their direct TV package right now. Wouldn't that potentially stand to benefit a team like the Cardinals, the Braves, et cetera, that have more of the national fan bases? Yeah, so I think, I mean, one, if you're living outside whatever the television footprint is, you already have access to Cardinals games on TV, right, or on radio through uh, MLB.com or the MLB app or um, you know, on radio on the SiriusXM app. I might want to plug that. Um, <laughs> there are different ways for you to be able to, to get those broadcasts, right? It's if you are in the team's home territory that that's where those blackout restrictions come into play. And as somebody whose family is from Iowa and who spent a lot of time in Eastern Iowa, I am especially, um, especially sensitive to the issues that fans there have where they are blacked out from seven teams. It's not just the Cardinals. It's like the twins, both Chicago teams, some areas of Kansas city, right? Like it's Milwaukee. Like there's a lot of teams that you don't have access to. And so I think you're right in the sense that it gives more of an opportunity for fans to be able to buy in. But the other part, and I think this comes from the ownership and the league standpoint is, okay, well, how much of that revenue are you going to make back? So let's, let's use some of the examples that we have, right? So the Padres last year had their rights turned back over to them as part of the Valley's bankruptcy. This happened in the middle of the year, right? Like literally in the middle of the series, but I think they were playing in Miami. And so they opened up in-market streaming. By the end of the season, they had 18,000 online subscribers. That's what the commissioner said. 18,000 isn't really that big a number, right? Especially if you're charging them $80 a year for it, which is what they did. You can do the math. It's not nearly as much as what you'd be losing. And in their case, was probably a $60 million deal that they only got half of, right? So... So there are some issues there. There are going to be some ramp-up issues as more people move towards streaming. And I think the other part is that, like, one of the things we're learning is as great as a la carte programming sounds, where you can just pick and choose what you want and which apps you want to buy or, you know, like if you want to subscribe to Peacock so you can see the Chiefs this weekend, right, like that kind of stuff, that, that what really was advantageous for customers in a lot of respects was the bundle. The problem is that the bundle, you end up paying for stuff that you don't want. And that's where the sports channels come in. So you're in this weird balancing act while the the industry kind of figures it out. And I think that's part of the reason why the commissioner has talked about this being short-term revenue losses for teams, not long-term. Because I think it will get figured out over the course of the next several years. But if you're the Cardinals and you're operating an organization that has hundreds of millions of dollars worth of expenses over the course of the year, those numbers are pretty big. And when you take, let's say, let's say they got it next year for, and I'm I'm not making, throwing this number out like it's made up. This is from talking to people. Let's say it ends up being 
like 70% of what they were getting. Well, 70% of $50 million is a lot of money, but it's also what, like 15 million bucks that you're not getting. And that would be a little bit of a concern too, is that how are you going to replace that revenue? And so that's where the challenge is coming for teams and owners in this who know that the sport is doing really well financially overall, that, that fans came back in a big way last year, that they had these popular changes, but also the revenue streams are going to be changing. And listen, you, you guys, I mean, we work in media, right? We're fighting this every day in trying to see how the landscape is going to change and it affects our careers. Well, it affects theirs as well. So yes, I feel like they can be spending above their means, but I certainly, I, I don't want to seem like I'm not empathetic to some of the challenges they have. I'm probably less empathetic towards billionaires than I am to <laughs> normal people. Uh, but, but I do think that there are some very real, real issues that every team is having to face with this. Yeah. And like, to be fair, I think at least the three of us in this room, I don't know if I could speak for Cardinals fans entirely, but I, I don't necessarily have an issue with what the Cardinals are spending right now. My frustration right. is less about the actual payroll and more about their lack of aggression to get that one final piece. You mentioned it, Mike. Like, right. if this team were to go out and trade today for uh, Dylan Cease or Framber Valdez <laughs> or Jesus Luzardo or Logan Gilbert, whoever that front end starter is, the name doesn't even matter all that much. Just one of those kinds of right. guys. I, I don't care if he makes seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars next year or thirty million dollars next year. They're just missing that player. And the thing that's frustrating is they seem to try to thread the needle so tight that they are hugging their prospects while also saying they can't give up any more money. And so now what you end up with is a team that's kind of stuck in the middle and has been now for the last, you know, seven years or so. Yeah. And I think it's a I think it's a really valid point. And I think if you look at what they have done in free agency when they have splurged, it's been moves that have looked questionable at the time. You know, I remember John Mazalock talking a lot about, hey, you know, we're, we're going to have to get outside our comfort zone to sign a free agent. And then the first free agent they signed was Dexter Fowler, who was a nice player, but was clearly on the downswing of his career, right? I mean, we saw it with Brett Cecil and Stephen Matz, even to some degree. You know, Matz, by the way, Matz is the youngest starter in the Cardinals' projected rotation. He's 32, yeah. or going to be 32. You know, that's something that's, that's a separate conversation. But, like, there are some of those things where it feels like, man, they just kind of have not quite clicked in that regard. Now, at the same time, they've managed to do a really good job of acquiring, and I hate to use this term because it doesn't necessarily apply to the player, it applies to their contracts, but distressed assets, right? So acquiring Arenado for like nothing, right? You're getting an absolute superstar at third base. Acquiring Goldschmidt when they did, you know, knowing that there was a year before free agency and they felt like they had a pretty good chance to re-sign him. They deserve to be lauded for those moves. Um, and, and listen, you're talking about two of the biggest stars in the game that they have gone out and acquired, and that's significant. But it does feel like at times, whether it's via trade or via free agency, they haven't necessarily identified that next level of player, the non-established star, which are very difficult to trade for, or the ones that make you extend just a little bit further to help stabilize the rotation. And maybe they, they, they're gun-shy after the David Price stuff, you know, which is now going on, what, seven years ago where they had a big offer for him and he didn't sign. He went to Boston instead. Maybe there, there could be any number of reasons for why that's happening that we're not privy to. But it always feels like part of it is, hey, we're in the central. It's going to be okay. 
Mike, we'll get you out of here on this. And by the way, we're talking to Mike Farron, baseball broadcaster for MLB Network Radio. I, I mentioned there's a bunch of different starters that have at least been rumored. I, I don't know how many of them are actually available yeah. uh, that are front-end guys that could be on the move via the trade. If you could identify one guy for the Cardinals that you think either fits the best or would just be the most interesting here, who would it be for you? Who would you like to see uh, them trade for this offseason? You know, I really think that there's two guys that we can identify that have control left that I think are interesting. And, and we've mentioned both of them, and Dylan Cease and Jesus Lazardo. Um, you know, Cease is, is going to cost a lot, right? And Lazardo should as well. But Cease has a longer track record of success, longer track record of health. Um, I know his ERA looks high last year, but if you start boiling down into some of the peripherals, if you use fielding independent pitching, which is a better year-to-year predictor of ERA than ERA is, it actually was in line with his Cy Young runner-up season from 22 uh, last year. So, like, Cease is an impact guy at the front. There is something to be said about going after a young left-hander who you control for three more seasons in Lazardo, though. And we haven't really heard them linked to that. But the Cardinals and Rays have a long history of doing deals. Peter Bendix, who's the new head of baseball operations for the Marlins, came from the Rays. I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that's quietly being discussed because Lozardo absolutely fits with what they need. And again, much like the White Sox, the issue that the Marlins have is that they are really thin in position players and they need them badly. And the Cardinals probably have a better chance to be able to build a package that could help their major league roster right now and give them a little bit more depth if you were looking further down to some of the the arms that maybe didn't have great 23s that had been really good in 22. I think there are some options that are there that makes it an intriguing matchup, even though we haven't seen the two linked. And I don't know if they will be, but you know, adding another starter wouldn't be a bad thing for them. It certainly would give them a little bit more certainty. And all that said, like if we were to line it up right now, they might be the favorites in the central as it is. You know what I mean? Like it's, the Cubs finally made a move. You know what I mean? Like, and unless they're going to add Bellinger, you know, two of Bellinger, Chabot, and Hoskins, I don't know. I mean, I look at that rotation, and I don't see it being better than the Cardinals' rotation right now. Like, Justin feels pretty good, but, like, Jameson Tyon had a really rough first half last year. Like, they're going to count on a rookie probably in the fifth spot. Um, you know, Kyle Hendricks is Kyle Hendricks. He's fine. He's good. Solid. He's had a great career. Just watch but him against the I Cardinals, Mike. Cy Young candidacy every single time. I mean, listen, listen, listen. Off-speed kills, right? So, like, <laughs> I mean, he's he's really a fascinating pitcher, too. So, like, I, I mean, I think they're okay, but it doesn't feel like they have the oomph that the Cardinals do. The Brewers without Brandon Woodruff and really without a first baseman probably are not quite as good. Cincinnati is really interesting. Pittsburgh is going to be better, but – I don't know that they like they could probably go to the mat and say and and reasonably say, yeah, we're the best team in the division. The way we're constructed now, we'll save our powder for the deadline. And listen, we just saw an 84 win team who was outscored over the course of the regular season win the pennant. That could be us. He's Mike Farron. Hear him on MLB Network Radio. It is well worth your time. I think he's one of the best in the business. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Farron. Always enjoy talking with him. I could talk with him for another hour and a half if we could, but we don't have that much time. Mike, thanks so much for the time, man. Appreciate it as always. Be well, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate the kind words, and I'll send some markers your way. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least the smell. Yeah, (laughs) It's Mike Farron.